you've made it to the Choose Joy podcast. Here, we will make a conscious effort to choose joy daily. We allow ourselves to heal and grow into the path designed for us. Join me every week to unpack, affirm, and choose joy. On this episode of the Choose Joy podcast, we're talking all things mother. And we are sitting with our very first guest speakers of the podcast. So let's get it. We're just going to go right into the interview, ladies. I'm sitting with my mother and her mother. And I'm just going to ask you a couple questions that have to do with choosing joy through your motherhood. So my first question for you ladies is, what was your biggest fear about having children? My biggest fear, your mother got choked on milk and she couldn't breathe and she turned blue. And I was at home by myself and I didn't know what to do because I didn't have CPR. I didn't have any training and I panicked and I just started boohooing and crying because I thought my baby was going to die. Yeah. Now I'm panicking. Don't panic. No, I am because I'm going to lose my job. And I'm trying to pat her on the back and she's choking, turning blue. I turned her upside down, held her legs, and I shook her like a rag doll. And she she started crying and I was okay. Well, my biggest fear was that like, I I didn't know what I was doing because I had my first child so young. So that was my biggest fear that I don't know that I would just drop out of school or something so but but because of my mama (laughs) that's good the next question for you guys is what was the most rewarding thing about raising kids seeing their accomplishments it just gives you so much pride and joy and knowing that you did your best um it's just unexplainable yeah, I feel the same. Just watching all you poured into your children walking around as successful human beings is is great. If you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? That was, that's a hard decision because I don't think I would do it over because I'm so satisfied and pleased with my two daughters. Yeah, same. I don't think I would do anything different because I think all the choices that I made whether good or bad whether I think they were good or I think somebody else thought they were bad decisions have shaped us as a family and shaped my children into the women young women and mothers that they are so I don't think I would choose to do anything different what would your advice be to a new mom or a mom wanting kids to a new mother I would tell them don't rush into it. You know, plan your family. Um, just don't have a baby to be having a baby because it's, it's too intense. It's too complicated. It's hard work. Ooh, intense is a good word. It is intense. Um, <laughs> so I would say, I would say the same thing. I would say um, take moments to learn yourself, find yourself first. And that way you're not looking for somebody else to pour love and acceptance into or receive from because you're comfortable with yourself. As a mother, how do you continue to choose joy? So let me preface that by saying choosing joy doesn't mean choosing happiness. It pretty much means rising above your situation 
and rise above. So how do you do that while still having the intense job of being a mom? Well, to me, intense, I'm just so satisfied and pleased with my children, with my two daughters. It, nothing can compare to that. They are my heart. They are my joy. They are everything. Being a parent is joy. Just being a parent. Um, is I don't think you have to choose it. It just is. Oh, I'm going to do that anyway. I'm going to do that anyway because that's how I am. So I kind of want to dabble a little into the gender of your children. Now, mom, this is kind of specifically for you because you have four girls. And with that last one, we thought we were going to get a boy, but God said no. So I kind of just want to talk about not necessarily the gender of your children because we're here, but just the background of your family and how that all ties in together. My family um, is very, and I tell people that my family is very female dominated so we have strong opinions as females in our families and but we're very nurturing very loving and males are kings <laughs> in our house in the south my family has a tradition of passing down women's names um generation to generation because the consensus is that if you choose to get married then you lose your surname you lose your your name that has come from your family so the women in my family have decided from generation to generation to pass on women's names so that women would get the story of why they are named that and the person that they're named after and the characteristics so that we keep the, the women alive in our families. It's interesting point that you brought up the difference between the women in our family and the men in our family and both you guys have had daughters. So do you think that your parenting style would have changed if you were to have sons? Oh, yes, they would have been spar-riding, so I'm glad I didn't have a son now. Because <laughs> my daughters are spar-riding because I gave them everything. <laughs> I believe that. Um, I have a different opinion. I think that <laughs> if I had a son that I would be a little rough on my son just because seeing how different men are in my family, not that they're not strong, um, and they expect to be, it's not that they are catered to, and I don't want that to be misleading either because it's not like the men in my family are sorry because they're not, but they do, there is a, a expectation that they wait to be served or they wait to be catered to sometimes. And some of the men in my family, the older that they've gotten, um, has turned, they do cater to the women in the family, but, and it's not. And again, I don't want that to be misleading either because the women in my family enjoy serving. They enjoy catering to the men. Um, so I think that I would have been just a little bit harder. Um, I think so. I don't. I also have this opinion that sometimes when there's when there's a father figure in the home, I wouldn't say that the father figure is the weakest link. I'll say the woman is the weakest link. With a son or with a daughter? With a son. Because I feel like that when men try to be harder on their son in the house, the women step in and try to be like, oh, no, it wasn't that bad. Like the women step in and kind of um, downplay it with the husband. And so it makes the punishment or the lesson not so severe. But when women are by themselves raising boys, sometimes they are a little bit sterner because no male is present. It's interesting that you guys say that and I think what you're saying pretty much is not a versus of 
who better, I guess, uh, women versus men in the family. Like what you just said, the men in our family aren't sorry. I just feel like the women in our family are held to a higher standard of accountability. Mm -hmm. um, one, because we are very maternally based. We have a lot of women on our family, especially on this side. Um, and we was called Amazon warriors because there's so many women in the family. Right. And uh, I feel like it does make it a little bit harder on the men in our family because if you're surrounded by women and then you have a, oh, a Quincy. Right. Um, what a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> what a difference. <laughs> they say that it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it did in our family. So both of you guys are biological mothers. Both of you guys have grandchildren, and I've watched both of you step into the role as a mother for kids that are not yours. So what would your advice be, or not even your advice, your opinion on stepmoms um, or a, a role of a mom that had to step into that role? Well, I look at it. Kids don't ask to come into this world. The parents bring them into this world. Yes, you should love all kids. I'm not going to mistreat a child. I would treat a child like he's mine. Even my stepson, when he came along, I treated him like he was mine. Now, how old is he? He's 50, maybe 52. He still called me mom because I was always there for him. I always treated him like he was my son because to me, he was my son. And I had a best friend at the time her um the guy she married had a son she mistreated him she didn't want to have anything to do with him she needed to love him like he was hers because one day he would be her son well it's not like that now because she alienated him and all kids that's all they want is love i'll treat all of them like they minds i think that we grew up in a different culture um and especially a different culture in a different environment like, my environment that I grew up in, rural South Carolina, everybody was your parent. Like, everybody was your parent, period. Or everybody was an authority figure that was older than you. So, and older than you that was an adult. So, you could be on the bus and somebody could discipline you or, you know, correct you or praise you or whatever the case may be. You could be at school and a, a teacher at school that knows your parent or knows you and sees you on the weekend could step in and be that person um and and vice versa like I knew that if I needed help and my family was not around if I was at a store if I was at an event or if I was at school and I needed somebody to be to give me parental advice I knew the people that I could go to that would step in and be like oh okay well I know your mama or I know your auntie I know your granddaddy and you should do this this and this or, or are you okay and then would make sure that we were good and then communicate to my mom. When we hear the word discipline, we hear it in a negative connotation. Yes. So it's discipline is just correction. So then when you try to correct, and a consequence is both that, negative and positive. So sometimes when we hear those words, discipline and consequences, we think of them negatively and we don't think of them in a positive tone. And, and, and that works also within a blended family. Like, you know, somebody could be like, well, that's my child. And when they come over there, that's my child. And you can't say anything to my child. Um, and that's just, that's just ignorant. Like you should just, everybody should be collectively trying to make this person a better person for the world and not just following out of your own selfish needs and gains. 
I think everybody needs to hear that. Because I will say, being in this generation and also being from a Southern family, I feel like not only is it geographically different from um, parenting up North or in regionally different, I think down South, that's just, you know. And then also too, merging with now and how everyone just has a lot of rules hidden rules you know unspoken things um, about their children uh, I think that was a wonderful point and I think that should carry on because it does take a village uh, to raise a child and so you said earlier Mima that um, you believe that you should plan and I think that is hard to plan a kid even if you try to plan everything just right I feel like if you never had a kid before that would come as a shock when you were thinking about your family before you had one, did you see yourself having a big family, a small family? Did you know, hey, I want three kids, many years apart? Did you like have dreams of that or live life? <laughs> Be honest with you, I always wanted a boy, but I got two girls and I always wanted one child and I ended up with two. And your mother made sure her sister know that she was adopted, but she wasn't. <laughs> this is just crushing. You used to hurt her feelings, make her cry all the time because she actually thought that was true. <laughs> I actually think so. When I I think that when we say, I know for me, and I think that's that's what Mama is talking about too. When we say plan, we just mean just to think about it, to think about the cost that it's going to be to because it's not just right now because you really are infatuated with this person and you want to have a child with this person. Because you're now tied to this person forever. Forever. Forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. You're now tied to this person negatively or positively. And depending on what their life is like and their family life is like, you are now and your child is now tied to this person's family. Maternal and paternal. So you got to consider all of that. And I don't think decisions like that should be taken lightly. I think you need to be mindful <laughs> of who you choose to have a child with. I think that's what, if anything, we're trying to communicate because you're you're always connected to that person. Whether that person ends up, you might be infatuated with that person, um, male or female, and think they're going to make this great parent. And then, but when you have somebody that's depending on you, um, and you got to make sacrifices and you got to go to work when you don't feel like going to work. And you got to make sure that your child has when you don't have that brings out a different side of a person. So you already know that early on in a relationship, if that person is willing to sacrifice um, and then you kind of ignore some of those signs. And then that's when I think bitterness and resentment come into play, because now the person is not responding like you thought they ought to respond in a situation. And now you want to hold a child as leverage. Um, and I just think that's unfair. So. And I know that that has happened, obviously, for centuries in time. But with social media today, we see it a lot that people really do pawn off their children and mm -hmm. use their children um, just as leverage to gain whatever they want from whatever situation. So I am glad that um, you guys said that. 
I don't have any children. Um, not that I know of. <laughs> not, not that you know of. <laughs> but what would your advice be directly to Chelsea? Get married first. I want my name dropped, meaning I want to be married. Amen. Amen. The advice is, is for you, just like it is for the rest of your sisters, that I don't think a decision like that should be taken lightly. I think that, you know, when you get ready to decide that, okay, I'm ready to commit the next 20 plus years of my life to a human um, when you're ready to say, okay, I'm willing to do that. Because right now you can make decisions and you have a freedom um, to make decisions independently and you don't have to take anybody else into consideration with those decisions other than yourself. Like we always taught you, your, your choices are your consequences. We will receive the ripple effects from your choices, but ultimately when you make a choice, you get the biggest kickback from that choice, whether good or bad. So it's the same. Um, I think any child that y'all bring into the world, like your sister, we, I, you know, we got love, love regardless, but, (laughs) but you want to make sure that you're in the right place physically and emotionally and spiritually to be nurturing something else that requires a hundred percent of all of those things all the time. I do have one more question that really I want to say doesn't have to do with being a mother, but it does because everything that you do has to do with being a mother. As a 26 year old, I would like both of you to give me an advice where you were at 26 and what I should do with this chapter of my life. At 26, I was married, struggling. We didn't know how we was going to make ends meet. It was terrible, but my mother pulled me through. She was always there for me. She would even buy groceries for us. And she would put it in a bag and set it in the pantry. And when I would go up there, she'd say, look in the pantry. And it would always be egg, sugar, white, a bag of white potatoes, rice. And it would be like maybe a pack of hamburger meat, but we would make it last for a whole month. <laughs> And we, we, after we financially got on our feet, we laughed about it because we actually struggled. It's hard. Young. Young and dumb. I really can't honestly remember um, 26 for me. I know that I had I had all, all my girls by 26 and out of college. And, um, and because of the ages of you guys and when we had you um i don't know so 20 26 i can't remember granny i can't remember anything at all in a day and age where a lot of people my age um women my age especially but just kids my age they feel behind um everybody wants to have a spouse, start a family, have a house, you know, put a time limit on it. What do you say by that? I mean, to be, I mean, even speaking of you, you're saying 26, I wouldn't necessarily say that you were established, but you were established in a way. Um, With you, you're saying you were 26. Uh With all four of your kids, you were done. So it's just like a person that kind of times it 
you know, I'm not even married. If you're hearing this, where are you? Are you stuck in traffic? Um, but you know, you're not even married, but that thing takes time. You don't want to just get married and jump into having kids. You know, that takes years. It takes building. And I think it's kind of, it's almost leading towards taboo. People are having kids later, I want to say. Um, but the pressure is still there, if that makes sense. It does. It makes sense. It's the pressure is there. I feel like for young adults now to be established. In this, and then I, I feel like economically, we're not obviously in the same places that we were um, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or even 30 years ago, when people were able to be a family unit and mothers were able to stay home or fathers were able to, you know, you were able to survive off of a one income household and raise your bankrupt, no money on my car. Um, and so we kind of had those saying, I feel like some of the times when we, um, have children and then we experience certain things as children. Like I experienced certain things as a child with my mom, obviously, and with the tight knit family that I have. And then I wanted to give that to y'all at a certain age. And so I think then me giving certain things to y'all at a certain age also makes you feel like that's kind of a point you need to meet at that age. Um, because you've experienced it kind of secondhand from what I, what I've experienced and then what I've experienced from my mom. But I also think um, if I could say anything to 26-year-old me, regardless of where I was, which is what I'm learning now, which I would say to you, which I would say to any of y'all, learn how as women to make space for you. It's not like my mom used to always say, because rural South Carolina, she used to always say, you know when somebody is talking to you out of ignorance that they just don't know or when they're talking to you from a place of malice. Um, you know how you feel when you're on the receiving end of that. So I would say to um, a young me and young you and to your other sisters as well, just to make space for you, recognize your feelings and how you feel when you're in a space and when it's not productive for you and learn how to have a voice to, to be like, you know what, that didn't feel good and I'm not going to be in that type of environment or I'm going to gird up myself <laughs> and be ready for that type, those types of environments moving forward. Like realizing, you know what, I don't have to take that. But in my later years, what I have grown to appreciate is just kind of where we started off at in this conversation. I've grown to appreciate the women in my family and the, the role that they played in being the women in our family. And I think at some point down the line, we've kind of been like, oh, okay, we're just going to take this backseat role um, and not make space and not have a voice. And I've looked back over the course, you know, just in my adult, my established adulthood and been like, no, wait a minute. The women in my family, something to deal with. Um, and I some way looked at that through young eyes as, oh, my, my, the women in my family are very nurturing and they're very catering. And all of those are good soft ways to explain, to try to tone down women being more vocal and women being opinionated and women stepping into a room saying what they want and when they don't get what they want I, somebody gonna have to tell me something i came from those women somebody gonna have to tell me something i'm gonna need to i'm gonna need to speak to the person in charge and if you're not in charge then i don't want to be talking to you because i need results and i feel like that if nothing else is the takeaway from the women that have come from me is that 
look back over the women in our life and don't look at them like, oh, wait a minute. You know, we got women dominated in our family and we can cook and we can do all these things. No, the women in my family something to deal with. You, you don't want to step sideways with us. So I want you to also be that person. We sweet and we nice and we friends with everybody and we loving on everybody. But I'm loving on me too. And so if you're not helping me love on me, you can step on out the way. Thank you both for being the first guest speakers on the Choose Joy podcast. Happy Mother's Day to everyone that's out there. Um, and if you have kids, every day is Mother's Day. So whenever you're hearing this, um, happy Mother's Day. It's a never-ending job. And I appreciate both of you, and I love both of you so much. I love you, Jim. A huge thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in to episode one of the Choose Joy podcast. The website is coming, I promise. But in the meantime, continue to follow and share at Choose Joy Project 2Wise on Instagram. There I will be posting all the podcast links as well as an opportunity for you guys to ask questions and or give sound advice that you'd like to be featured on the next coming episodes. Thank you and continue to choose joy. I took a half and she took a whole thing slow down.